0: Hey guys, here's um, my conversation with Darius Watkins. I actually met Darius last year. Oh my gosh, I think it's been a year. Um, at in in Cancun, we were on vacation, me and my wife, and um, he was a newlywed with his with his wife there. And um, it's funny, I've been following him for the year and a half now, and I forgot where I met him. <laughs> Because he kind of just blended in with all the other people that I follow. And it seemed, it felt to me like somebody that I've known forever. <laughs> um, but um, he's executive director for this um, organization called 612 Camps. And I'm going to read from their website. It says, um, Six Twelve sports mission is to create equitable access to youth sports in order to meet the physical, mental, spiritual, and mentoring needs of the Memphis metropolitan area. So they're a faith-based nonprofit in Memphis to um, help out um, young people. And I think that's cool. You know, some people have said to me, like, do you only have, like, deconstructed people or atheists or whatever on your podcast? And I'm like, no, that's not necessarily the case. Um, Darius actually reached out to me and he was like, you know, like, it'd be cool to, ta- to chat because I've had some deconstructions of my own. And, you know, he's still a, um, a devout Christian. and But he's gone through some stuff that I thought would be cool to talk about. Um, but... Um, yeah, he's one of the good ones, guys. <laughs> I like this guy. So enjoy our conversation. You know, if we could just start off, if I could just get a little bit of a background of, you know, what, you, what your life has, you know, has looked like leading up to this point. Yeah, for sure.
1: Um and let me go ahead and apologize for a few things. Uh I'm sorry for not uh contending for the faith like Jude 1-3 says. That's sure Somebody's <laughs> gonna uh use out of context. Uh and I'm also sorry for um being the voice of black of all black people and not mm. doing it appropriately. So I just want to apologize for those two things off the rip. Um <laughs> but with that being said, my you know, my name is Darius. Uh I live in Memphis, Tennessee. Memphis, um, it's actually Memphis, Memphis, because we are we are our own state and we are not like the rest of Tennessee. Mm. We hold it as a badge of pride. Um, but with that being said, um, I live in Memphis right now. I grew, I was born in Helena, Arkansas. in um, Arkansas is a podunk town in Arkansas, mm. 70% black, 30% white. At the time I was living there, I lived there up until I was about, you know, 10 or 11. Mm. Um, at that point, I moved in with, with my mom in South Haven. So South Haven is in Mississippi and it's 70% white and 30% black. Mm. So I did a, a complete inverse, like it, as I was going to middle school and you know the first thing that stood out was like at my dad's house like my dad was a deacon so we and it was like one of those real traditional black churches where you went there five days a week Mm. my mom not so much she was a single mom working four jobs all these things just like putting food on the table so church was an option i chose no um (laughs) that was that was my option that i chose um in that though the whole time i was in helena i was a great student straight a's the whole time I get to south haven and like i'm all of a sudden making c's making d's i'm like what's going on mm. and like that was my first experience of like educational inequality um because mm. people think of mississippi when you think of mississippi you think of poverty yeah but another thing people don't think about is mississippi actually has the highest wealth disparity of any state in the country it's unsurprising so for you for you because yeah. you, because you're <laughs> um but like people think about it like dang did you wear shoes yeah i shoes. <laughs> <Sure." laughs> so so, you know, I had that experience, um, and, you know, like, faith was always part of my life, um, but it was like, I would bounce around a few churches now, every now and then, um, but, like, these churches were, like, predominantly white that I was going to um, when I was in South Haven just because my mom didn't have a church background there, so, like, I just gravitated towards, like, what I could find. Um, in that, like, I really couldn't find anything that really fit me well mm-hmm. uh, going into my ninth grade year. Like, that's when I started, like, really having questions about the faith, having doubts and things like that, um, and I'm doing that. And in 10th grade, the same thing is going on. And the whole time of my life, like basketball has been a refuge for me, mm-hmm. like period. Um, I had like, I'll just put it like this. I had a less than ideal situation um, as it relates to like maybe step parents and maybe like uh, just just the trauma that comes from being in a mixed blended family. Mm-hmm. Um, So like in that, like my time alone was basketball. Like basketball is like what, it, it felt like my sanctuary for, for lack of better words. um, And like, up all throughout middle school when i moved to south haven a, a city that is 70 70 white like i found refuge in being on the basketball team finding identity in that mm. uh, finding peace in that um and fast forward to 10th grade i'm having all these questions starting to, starting to have some doubts so to speak uh teachers are like saying things that i can't really answer i'm like i i, I know guys i don't know why you know what i'm saying mm. i know he's real but like that's just part of my upbringing and one of my friends who I'd known since sixth grade, since I moved there, he was going to this new church. He invited me to the church, and you know, I was kind of cool. I was like, you know, I ain't really, I ain't really, really trying to go there right now. I can't even lie to you. Uh, but shoot, maybe next go around, maybe next go around. And he's like, hey, we got a basketball court. I was like, shoot, I'll be there in ten minutes. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so long story short, like I ended up going to that church. Um, in that church, like I, like every week, I had questions like in relation to faith um none that i verbalized just questions that were in in my heart every single week for the next five to six weeks all those questions were answered so I was like man like this is cool um but this church is like majority white so like I still don't really really fit in right so that basically started like the foundation of my faith uh I won't say the foundation of my faith I'll say the realization and the actualization of my faith um and it basically ended up from that moment like being in white evangelical culture
0: Mm. Hmm. it's a lot of process you know it's it's, a whole lot of process there's um a lot of parallels (laughs) in my own life there um Mm -hmm. so i mean what what kind of questions were you having like where like what what was what was the kind of question you were doing
1: like, th- that's such a great question that I can't even answer. Um, they were all, like, they were all innocent teenager questions. Mm. Um, if God is real, then why is this happening? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And, you know, like, I grew up without, um, essentially. None of my parents went to college. Um, and, you know, like, it was always that wealth disparity was, like, apparent in my life, in my friendship, so on and so forth. Um, I want to go to church. I want to serve you God, but I don't have a ride to church. Like, mm-hmm. how does that make sense? You know what I'm saying? Um, like, just general questions like that. Like, if you're real, then, like, answer this question for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wish that I truly knew the questions that I asked at that time, but I, I don't. Um, that, But they were, like, innocent questions that most 14 or 15-year-olds would ask. And I really do wish I knew them off the top of my head.
0: Where would you des- – how would you describe uh, your faith today, like, do you attend church regularly like what what is what does it look like um for you today
1: yeah so today um I do attend church regularly um i am um I would say that I'm active in my church um as active as as I can be um um I have a podcast um and maybe you mentioned mentioned it already but I do have a podcast called unconformed podcast and the whole point of that podcast is like to not be conformed to the patterns of this world which is um uh, a verse out of romans um and i believe it's romans 12 too um but like in that like my mentality is biblical versus cultural if that Mm. makes sense um because i think that like when you are ingrained in a culture for so long like you you find yourself uh being being involved in what's called christendom christendom Mm. And like in that that's just like the culture of Christianity. Like it's yeah. not necessarily yeah. biblical, but it's like we do these things. We stand up and clap. We we raise our hands and worship at this bridge of a song. <laughs> like it's time now, it's time, it's our time to shine now. Mm-hmm. Like all these things um that we associate with Christianity that aren't necessarily Christianity. Um, even like I would say, like to some degree, like tithing to like these mega churches that like I mean a lot of that money is just going to keep lights on and doing. I think I heard heard you talk about in an, an episode this crazy production for that Texas church for, oh for a Christmas program. Like, is that is that what I had in mind? Like getting that much money, like on that, like like.
0: I mean, it, so, it's yeah. funny. Like, if if you look at um, if you follow that church's um social channels, whatever they say, like you know, this was completely a self contained economic thing. Like, um, mm-hmm. all of the money that came in for tickets and stuff were just to pay off the production. And all these people saying that we're just, you know, collecting money for revenue or profit or whatever. It's, you know, it's misinformed, whatever. But I'm like, if you have the ability to move that much money, mm-hmm. it's like millions of dollars. Right. <laughs> why would it, why would you use it for essentially entertainment? Because you're not, yeah. these aren't um, non-Christian people. These aren't unsafe people. These aren't, like, this, this isn't a charity. This, like, the whole purpose of this whole production is was to for a spectacle and um there was so much of it that was not i mean i watched a lot of different clips of this of this performance a lot Mm -hmm. of it was just like typical broadway fun santa stuff like there was Mm -hmm. no like spiritual impact there was no like edification or whatever there was none of that it was a Mm -hmm. fun thing it's like like the the rockettes you know and um i'm like it, it was just a lot of lost potential yeah. Um one of the stories I told at a, maybe a pre- previous episode was or I, I've been on so many podcasts I don't even know. Like I, I like lose yeah. track of which stories. Um it was is. I worked at this church that did this like um uh homeless reach outreach thing where mm-hmm. um they had the members of the church sleeping outside in the in the parking lot for like solidarity and like for, mm-hmm. for you know l- as a learning experience so they can feel homeless for a night. Um in mm-hmm. front of this huge warehouse. <laughs> 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 like the church itself being the warehouse uh, mm-hmm. and I'm like, you could just house people <laughs> mm-hmm. like how much impact are you going to have? It's, You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> but, um, you know, that, that's the kind of thing that I, I always kind of feel like, you know what you were talking about the, the whole unconformed thing. Mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of my uh, faith, especially in, in the last decade or so of my life was, a, mm-hmm. was a lot of that, it's just kind of think, mm-hmm. thinking of Christianity from a different perspective. Um mm-hmm. You know, uh, w- right when Donald Trump announced his run, I-, I would say right around that time, it's the first time I ever 20, really had to think about my... Roughly right. 2015. Exactly. That's, yeah. right, that's right at the... Uh, maybe the first time I ever felt like I had to think about politics. Mm-hmm. And I squarely placed myself in the far left, I guess. And... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, I, I feel like a lot of millennials were doing this, you know, engaging in the same practice, but it's like um, I started thinking about um, Jesus and being like, you know, I think Jesus is a socialist <laughs> and just mm-hmm. thinking about like, you know, how um, how Jesus like what his worldview is. And one of the like um, the like the main thesis statement of capitalism being you only get what you deserve and what you've earned and mm-hmm. the, the, the counter to that is, um, you know, socialism says you're essentially entitled to basic human needs, whether you've earned them or not. And mm-hmm. um, that sounds like Jesus to me. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. what's um, what's been something in, in regards to, like, you know, the, the whole unconformed, you know, do not follow the patterns of the world. What has, like, ruffled the most feathers with, the, with other Christians for you?
1: Yeah, see, I think that... Um it all started in 2007 I would say Mm. like this is like a lot of people use 2016 as kind of like the barometer of like when things really changed Mm -hmm. um I would say that like things ultimately changed in 20 in 2007 Mm -hmm. and that's when Barack Obama ran for presidency and you had like all these things coming out like is he an antichrist is he Muslim is he American it's like all these things all these things coming out and like it's primarily like from the church um, so it's not like and when I say the church I don't mean like the historically black churches or anything like that I mean like the traditional white evang- white evangelical churches that like unfortunately like own most of the media mm-hmm. um, so like in that like that's when it kind of started to begin um, and you saw Barack Obama win in 2008 and then you saw you know uh, Sarah Palin get get elevated um, and you saw like even like churches and people like that partner partner with the Sarah Palin's of the world and stuff like that mm. while she's talking about shucking and jiving and, and, and all this nonsense like she's mm. literally saying those things um that we know is racially charged language and we know that they're dog whistles but like we we choose to accept it because our guy is not there um and in that like you see that and you in I would say probably from about 2000 to 2008, like it was a lot of Romans 13 going on in the church, uh, which basically just said respect authority. The guys, guys put in place, they kind of just they kind of disappeared in 2008 through 16. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I would just like I I like to put put that out there as well. But they kind of disappeared then and reappeared like once Trump was elected. Yeah. Um. So yeah. I think that like ultimately you saw that, and like not only did you see that, you saw um a black man, a person who is sure biracial, but like identifies more than likely as black um it has a black wife and these are the people who are in the white house and you see him speaking up on racial things whether it be Michael Brown or um Trayvon Martin you see all these things and it's ruffling these feathers because like one America is your God before God is Hmm. Two, to address supremacy would mean that you have to address America and that's your God so you can't do that right and then three like they would mean that at some point you have to take some responsibility so you got yeah. three things going on that people don't want to do. Yeah. Um. So it's yeah. much easier for us to like cling to like this conservative view that's like, no, like that's not right, and this is why it's not right. And uh, I think like you said in one of your episodes, like we we could not talk about race, but like it's kind of hard to do that. Like when streets are named after uh, Confederate leaders, mm-hmm. when cities are named after con- Confederate leaders, when holidays are still named after Confederate leaders. Like so, like you say you don't you don't want to talk about race, but it's because like you're peeling you're peeling an onions back now mm. like, like it's, it's it gets to the point where you have to at some point take responsibility and it's at some point you can't just stick to the bootstrap theology right so like i think that's ultimately like where like all this stuff hits it hits his head and like that's when trump appears and to be clear like there's so many like comparisons between trump trump and reagan it is almost un- unrealistic like you would think that it's a movie script. Mm-hmm. like as many comparisons as there are because reagan was the first one to say you know what i'm saying uh make america great again he was the first one to say that so like and you look at that you look at the hollywood background and things like that although like most christians say that like most most white evangelical christians say that like we despise hollywood well y- 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 you voted for ronald reagan um schwarzenegger <laughs> was in california you ran dr oz hershel War- walker um like I'm I'm missing it to where you I mean you say you you don't stand for these things but on the flip side kind of look like you do so or is it really just about your guy winning which is like ultimately what it's about like it can be like the sports analogy like the Knicks are huge in New York right so like if the Knicks had somebody who was convicted of God knows what if he brought them a championship it wouldn't matter hmm. it truly wouldn't matter
0: you know it's crazy like I I grew up in what I didn't realize was a relatively progressive church. It was all Hispanics, so many of them uh, first generation you know, immigrants. I myself, I'm an immigrant, um, mm-hmm. and you're Dominican, right? I'm Dominican. I was born in DR, and yeah, um, Imp- you know, real
1: quick, real quick. Mm-hmm. I just think that it's important to mention that, like, we met on on a um, at a resort <laughs> in Cancun. So.
0: You're right. Oh my so. gosh. <laughs>
1: So we literally met at a resort. You know, it's funny. Gato. I've been following
0: you for a while, and I forgot mm. where we met. And in my mm. mind, I'm like, I just known this guy forever.
1: <laughs> mm. <laughs> and he just reminded me where we met. <laughs> yeah, not nah, your your wife was drinking wine, and you didn't. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah. I, like you, you had very little. I I remember like that much. And you I had a taste. Yeah,
0: like no that. i i I grew up um afraid of of being drunk because it sounded like like I was gonna go to hell or something. And mm-hmm. I never did that thing when you're like 13 and you force yourself to drink alcohol even though you despise it and t- because the adults yes. are drinking you want to be cool. I never did that thing. So, mm-hmm. the years went by and I, I just never acquired the taste of alcohol and I'm in my 30s and I, I just never did. And every time I mention it to the people, they're like, like don't do it because it's expensive.
1: <laughs> It'll cost you too much money <laughs> hey, in the it's... long run. <laughs> yeah. hey, that's so, um, so you, went, you went on this all-inclusive trip and you didn't have any alcohol?
0: I did not. I've never wow. had a full drink of alcohol in my life.
1: Okay. That's, I had that, like a, I
0: had a glass of champagne like three years ago, four years ago. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, <laughs> and I, I, I didn't mean to cut you off, but like no, I, no, no, I no, no. I'm, glad,
0: I'm glad you did because I'll 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 gab on. Um yeah. yeah. So I, what I was what I was trying to say is like um, I grew up in this sort of sort of a bubble when it comes to the church. Like I had all these Hispanics around me, um, mm-hmm. all the Christians I knew were Hispanic. I didn't really meet. White his uh, um, white Christians and like I didn't encounter like the American white Christian church until, um I started working at this mega church. Mm-hmm. I worked at a mega church um later on in my adult life, and mm-hmm. um it was the first time I'd ever encountered like, the 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 big capital C American church that people always talk about that you know the, the white Christian nationalists the the Trump voters like I had never met these people. Um uh-huh. I I grew up relatively sheltered from that. And so when I would bring things up, like, um, I remember when I I was, it was one of my first weeks working at the church. I was like, dude, this guy announced his run, Donald Trump. That's crazy, right? No one's gonna vote for him. That's wild. And they're like, why not? And I'm like, what? (laughs) I was like, what? And they, mm-hmm. I was as surprised by them as they were, were surprised by my reaction. They're like, "Can't you see that I'm a white Christian?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm like, "All I heard was Christian. Why would you vote for this man?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, come to find out, I mean, th- this is I, I've, I, can always see like, based on my Facebook friend, I'm, I'm old enough to, to still be on Facebook. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. But um, I yeah, can, no. I could tell based on my Facebook friends, like, um, they kind of come, came in in waves. I remember. Um, when I was, like, you know, growing up, all my all, all my friends were just my, you know, my, my small Hispanic bubble, and then yeah. um, I'm, I'm a musician, so I got into the the gospel music scene um in New York, mm-hmm. and I was playing with all these different churches and artists and stuff, and then um, a lot of my Facebook became very black, <laughs> very quickly, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. um, I you know I had like thousands of people, and you know, a friend requesting me, I was playing with like um the the Clark sisters and Alicia Keys yeah. people, so like mm-hmm. everybody wanted to friend me on facebook and um and then so my my facebook became very black and i i kind of had like this this new awakening to the to the christian black experience and then Mm -hmm. i started working at the megachurch and then my feed started to get really trumpy and i was like what's this i had just never seen Mm -hmm. this before um so when people talk about like this the white christian nationalist stuff um you know i feel like there's swaths of america that i just did not experience hearing it come from you, I feel like you're mm-hmm. like right in it, even the way you said Memphis. <laughs> yeah, you know where it is. Right out there. <laughs> so it's like, um, uh, it's all, it's, um, it's, 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 edu- it's educational for me. Like I'm learning more. Um, but one thing I wanted to ask is like, what are, what are some of the things that you feel like um, has been difficult in terms of um, maintaining your
1: faith? or practice I think yeah I think that the most difficult time to manage and practice faith um and fortunately for me I was in school so I didn't have like a whole lot of time to really like delve into it um or even like let it resonate as much as I maybe could have like if I wasn't like getting a degree or something like that Mm -hmm. um but it was probably that 2008 through 2015 cycle of just like black people being killed continuously 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 and not hearing anybody speak up about it like any church leaders like really speak up about it in a way that they probably should have done so mm. um and or if they did it was like this person shouldn't have done that but this person shouldn't have done this as well mm. you know what i'm saying so it was always like playing both sides i call or it the, like, the one-two punch the one-two punch um <laughs> and then just like I think 2008 through probably 16, like there was like a rise of the word thug, and like if we being honest, like like we knew that it it basically meant that you was you wanted to say the n word but couldn't. Mm-hmm. Like so, like you, you you see all these things going on, you see all these little microaggressions and stuff like that going on, and like for me, like I I went to church with half of y'all folks growing up. Like mm-hmm. y'all was supposed to be my leaders or some capacity, like to in in some way shape shape or fashion. Like I looked up to some of y'all, um, and this is what we're doing so like i think that that was like the that was like the harshest time to be a christian but it was also like a good time to be a culture christian i guess you can say because mm-hmm. like you still saw like people like and like th- this guy will never get it perfectly but you still saw people like lecrae and people like that and lecrae being like a grammy, a grammy award winning rapper who's a christian uh, you saw him speaking up on things, making sounds about things, and also losing tons of money while doing that. Mm. Um, you saw that you saw that going on, but it's like, man, like some of y'all other folks should have really spoken up during this time. Um, and maybe you didn't want to lose your congregation, um, which is not, by the way, not a reason to not speak up. Um, but like at the end of the day, like we should be at a place in society. to so when something bad happens to somebody, the first thing we should do is mourn. Point blank period. And To claim Christianity and claim these things and like not let the first thing you do is to mourn, but rather the first thing you do go to social media and type whatever you want to type up, then like that's a problem. Because 90% of your, 90 plus percent of your congregation may be cool with that, but like the other 10, 5%, 2%, whatever it is, is not. And like, how do you read the parable of the 99 sheep and the one being lost and do that? You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? So, like, is, So i think that that was definitely like the most difficult part and like i mean between between the two of us like in this conversation like 2016 like shortly after after trump was elected like i knew that it was time for me to like be in a more diverse church uh Mm -hmm. not because any specific leader did anything wrong um during that time because it was a leadership change and stuff like that um and and this was actually the guy who was my younger my youth pastor um but it was like i hadn't been to this church in eight years truly because Mm -hmm. like i went to grad school undergrad all this stuff happened in between so i just wasn't there um and it it is and it was way different i was like you know it's time for me to be supported in a way where i where i can feel safe um in where i can feel safe in my morning uh Mm -hmm. and i can know that other people can relate to how i feel in this moment um and also like where i can just spiritually grow so i think that like 2016 going into 2017 like really led to me changing in a lot of ways um changing like my theology on some things and just understanding that some things are cultural um and although there may be expectations for you to do things in a certain way that's not necessarily biblical Hmm.
0: it's it's really sad to me that um a a church or any church you know any place that um you would think is the the whole point is to um celebrate love together (laughs) the love of god together um, mm-hmm. Is not a place where you can find, you know, mourn with those who mourn um, being lived, um, mm-hmm. and I was really like sort of, I kept consistently being um, let down by this concept over the years, and mm-hmm. um, I remember trying to, you know, defend the socialist Jesus, the immigrant Jesus, the brown person Jesus, the mm-hmm. the Jesus whose family um, escaped the census and therefore making him undocumented, you know, the Jesus that. Um, hung out with prostitutes and, and the lowest class of people. Um, mm-hmm. This is the the Jesus I kept trying to, to defend. And I just, mm-hmm. and it, it it was crazy to me to see opposition to that. You know, I remember there was a post that I used to repost every, every year on Facebook. Um, mm-hmm. Number one, because I truly believed it. Number two is I knew it was going to piss people off.
1: <laughs> and it was that yeah, it we, was we, like, we got a lot in common. <laughs> <laughs> it's a,
0: it's December 25th. Remember who Jesus was. He was a brown mm-hmm. immigrant from the Middle East. He was a Jew. <laughs> he was not a Christian. Mm-hmm. Um, right. His family wasn't documented. He was born in 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 like a, a manger because of of these reasons. Um, mm-hmm. He um, was, you know, like all of the things that Tucker Carlson hates. <laughs> uh-huh. Jesus was all those things, <laughs> all right? <laughs> and yeah. um, oh. uh, and I would see um, uh comments from people to be like, you missed the whole point. You're blah, 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 this and that. Why are you trying to, and I'm like, dude, really, really? Mm-hmm. Um, and I started off by, by feeling like I needed to continue to defend this Jesus um, mm-hmm. for those who have not met him yet. And also for my own sanity, because mm-hmm. I, I, um, I, w- I have, I was adopting a worldview that if um I couldn't align it with the, the Bible, um, mm-hmm. I was either in sin or being being strayed afar or whatever. Like basically, it's like God, I'm going here. Is, is there room for for this worldview um, mm-hmm. under you? Um, yeah. So I I felt like I needed that, and the more I did that, the more and more I moved away from the church and away from eventually the Bible, mm-hmm. and um, only because I'm like, if the Bible is continuing, or you know, if if being a Christian is going to continue to make me. Um, less and less compassionate, then I, I don't want anything to do with it. And mm-hmm. um, you know, I I command I commend you for your um loyalty to the faith. And mm-hmm. um you know, I I don't feel like it's coming from a place of like um dogma or like blind faith or like I'm sticking to it because this is all I know. I think yeah. that, you know, based on the work that you do and just the way that you care for people, it's like literally what you do for a living. Um yeah, it's, uh, it's in scary,
1: way, like, I'm, I'm a yeah. And by the way, I'm a school counselor, a middle school school counselor in him. Mm-hmm. So I ain't yeah. saying Memphis, no, <laughs> since you already said <laughs> me once. <laughs> um, like the fact
0: that you that your life is committed to helping people and and mm-hmm. it seems like it's the way you're wired. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like the faith has created a person in you that um, Jesus would want, you know, that like the, like I feel like you're not missing the point. <laughs> Mm -hmm. and so like um i didn't feel like i i i didn't feel like it was gonna happen for me and Mm -hmm. um i personally i've been deconstructing in other ways too just like i'm i'm becoming more agnostic to just faith in general and Mm -hmm. um you know like has there been anything like that like in terms of your your because you you told you said that that you've had a deconstruction of your own and i imagine it has a lot to do with 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 like the nationalism stuff but Yeah, for sure. Uh,
1: And I think that, like, for me, uh, and also, like, and I think that, like, this is something that's more difficult for people who may be from, like, Western Hemisphere places, Mm -hmm. I guess you can call it, Um, that, like, it it helps me personally, like, to see representation in the Bible, Mm -hmm. Um, whether it's, like, the uh, Ethiopian eunuch being the first person who was uh, baptized, uh, Moses' wife uh, being and and like let's talk about this for a second Moses had his second wife uh Zipporah um was black Mm -hmm. um and you saw um his you saw Moses's family kind of like going in on her because basically she was black um Mm -hmm. some people may argue ethnicity and stuff like that but like let's be honest here um so like (laughs) like with that being said like they were kind of going in on her and like you know um, (laughs) God, God penalized them because of that um and I think that like it's it's helpful in that capacity but also like for me personally, I think that like, I grew up in the house, like when my when I lived with my dad, um, Malcolm X, Martin Luther King, um, like all these historic, historically black leaders were always in my peripheral. Right. Mm. So like, I never saw Malcolm X as somebody who was radical. Like, mm. did he, did he have some radical ideology in some ways? Sure. Like who doesn't? Um, but like, I never saw him as this enemy to America. Right. Um, mm. and I think that like, because i had a background that gave me both cultures um that it was much easier for me to break down and break away from white evangelical white evangelical culture in a lot of ways um because like what was rooted in me like in my upbringing and um in the way my dad raised me and and things my dad showed me um and, and in the way my mom raised me uh and not necessarily by showing but by doing um like it it taught me things that like i was able to, to reflect upon and resonate upon and, and be being able to combine the two um and for me like it's helpful for people who um people like uh it's a it's a campaign called the jew3 project um mm-hmm. which is like primarily like for black christians and black christian apologetics and things like that um and gives you a much greater understanding of accepting you and your blackness which white white evangelical culture does not do well uh, accepting you and your blackness and also pushing it back to the word of God mm. so like for me like I was able to see those things um and then like again that word Christendom like release myself from that and it was easier for me to release myself from Christendom because Christendom didn't match my upbringing mm. so like I didn't have that's why that's that's why I corrected myself earlier when I said foundation uh, when I said that like my why evangelical culture was my foundation and I think that like that's that becomes a problem as a counselor we have this phrase called cognitive dissonance right yeah that's when that's when everything that you believe to be true may not necessarily be true and now you're having this oh shit type mm-hmm. moment where you're like i don't know what to do now right like you, you you don't know what to do and i think that that's so i think that's so hard for people to grasp and for people to understand and it's even harder when you realize that church is the most segregated portion of the week church is the most segregated portion of the week so that means that all the people who you the majority of people who you're trying to walk through this with look like you and they would also have to basically challenge themselves and challenge their family and do all these things that are uncomfortable right Mm. and that makes it to where some people can't do that that's not justification because in the the end of the day it's wrong so it's not justification but it's me realizing that to some capacity that like i'm fortunate to be able to have that background i'm, I'm fortunate to be able to have lived in hell in arkansas that was 70 percent black and south haven that was 70 white and then go to undergrad and grad school at ole miss and see the kkk on campus and see westboro baptist wow. church being on campus um and seeing all these things that the past at all miss that i had nothing to do with um now is rearing its head because people have this idea of Ole Miss of what of what it's supposed to look like, right? So when changes happen, when changes that are good happen, it rears its ugly head back. Because now the KKK is protesting what we're doing. Now mm-hmm. Westboro Baptist Church is protesting what we're doing, and all the headlines say is that the KKK is at all Miss, and somebody like you in New York is like, of course they are, <laughs> like because that's what the headlines say, right? Like mm-hmm. it's, it's not the full story. So I think that like I've been blessed to be able to be in places and be around people, um, mainly like I mean, and mainly like a lot of white people um, who have hearts in the right place. Um, and like, that's something that almost did teach me. Um, mm-hmm. there's a, now let's not get it twisted. A lot of people didn't have heart in the right place. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably the majority of people didn't have heart in the right place. But when you see like those people who do have a heart in the right place, it gives you a little bit more faith. Right. Um, I'm sure you've been in, in New York, you've seen a lot of stuff. Um, and you've seen yeah. <laughs> more than I can even think of, um, as far as diversity and stuff like that. But I think that ultimately, like at the end of the day, like Jamar Tisby um, has his book called The Color of Compromise. Um, and it's a really, really good book. It talks about the history of American church and Black people and slavery and all these things. And like, he makes it a point to say in the book, every time there was a moment of tension, there was at least one faith group that stepped up. Mm-hmm. Um, the majority of them did, but there was at least one faith group that stepped up. And if the church if the church looks like what the Bible says, then like, that's about accurate, right? <laughs> like let's let's not forget that like most of the books were like going in on churches in the new mm-hmm. testament so yeah so re- revelation like that was like one of the best diss tracks of all time to some of these churches so, <laughs> <laughs> so like in in that like i think that my ho- my hope um and my faith re- remains in the good that i have seen um and while while the bad times were definitely traumatic for me in ways that you will only understand like if you have my background um mm-hmm. even black people don't even understand um the way that like some things may be tra- traumatic to me versus not traumatic to them right um so in that like i feel like the hope outweighs at the end of the day like when i really reflect upon it my hope um in seeing people do good and wanting to do good and seeing people grow um that gives me that gives me confidence um i gotta and I, I know i'm rambling but i gotta i got no you know, no a couple...
0: it's it's very coherent <laughs> and i'm following yeah. i'm with you
1: yeah um and it's like you know I, I know a couple who goes to my church right now um, my church is predominantly white mm-hmm. um these people um are in their late 60s um uh, and they lost their whole friend group basically wow because they started challenging them on, on some things but they're content with it <laughs> and so like me seeing that me seeing somebody in their 60s can change their mind um somebody in somebody that late in their life can change their mind and actually ask questions and follow, follow Christ in this way. Like it it, it would be goofy for me to only focus on these, on this large amount of people. So it just, it just gives me hope.
0: I have two things I want to say to you. Um, first, um, I'm so glad I had you on this podcast. Honestly, like a lot of the, what's been happening in my personal life, um, has just sort of been The the kind of thinking and the kind of circles and stuff that would lead to sort of like um, um, bitterness and Mm. um, bitterness is is the right word um, towards, you know, what I left behind. And um, sometimes one forgets that there are Christians out there that that care about people and that um, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're fostering of, you know, living within a faith that's fostering. Um, uh, bigotry or or hate or whatever, um, mm-hmm. and hearing such a balanced and um compassionate you know worldview coming from a uh, uh, someone who's as involved in the faith as you are, um, it, mm-hmm. it gives me hope. And me and I was in it like I was working at the church. I've been I was born into the faith. I never converted. I was Christian yeah. all through and through. Um, so mm-hmm. I wasn't like some lukewarm Christian that was like, oh, this ain't for me, and bounce. You know, that I was in it. So mm-hmm. even with that, um you know i'm i'm just glad that there's there's people that people like you exist that's number 1 <laughs> number 2 appreciate- um what is it about this church or this group that um would lead to like what, what 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 like this church that you're at like do they have like a an alternative you know belief or something that the people around you are are not in favor of or what's the deal um is there like a controversy of, of some kind that you should be aware of
1: Ask that question one more time. I just, I just want to make sure I heard it correctly.
0: So, like, you you were saying that like these um these the six year old couple, they they mm-hmm. lost their whole friend group. Like, what what was it that that changed that led to that?
1: Yeah. So, um, this sixty year old, sixty plus year old, um, these friends, um, they came from another church, mm-hmm. um, and they start attending this church, and uh, I think that like, it changed their theology as it related to race and things like that. Um, and no church is perfect, right? Like mm-hmm. so every church has its blind spots. Um, and I think that like, I mean, it's several people who would say that the church I, the, the church that I is here now is not like good in the area. Mm -hmm. um so like I think that like most churches like have their issues most churches have their blind spots and things Mm -hmm. like that um and I think that like ultimately like you know some churches are like we're the adoption church or we the woke church uh and by the way woke woke is a perfectly fine word to use regardless of like what people (laughs) tell you Um, so like I still use it today and I will continue to use it in a positive affirming way um because that's how it was created and you shouldn't you shouldn't allow people who don't care about you to uh change the the meaning of words that you are so. Know this,
0: this is really what really what I was trying to get at. What is it about this church that mm-hmm. makes it a, a so called woke church?
1: Um, what is it about any church? Well, like you, do
0: you attend this uh, this church that other churches are saying this is a woke church?
1: Um, I, I believe some people would say it. Some people would say it's not woke enough. Uh, some people. would. <laughs> okay. I mean, like, so I think, like, at the end of the day, like our philosophy at this church is to be um multicultural multi multi multi-ethnic disciple making uh gospel center like those are those are like our pillars that we basically operate off of so like from that alone um like that that leads to some problems and you know like i knew somebody (laughs) would that just sounds so vanilla to me who would have a problem with that (laughs) what part some people would just be like, hey, man, you need to just let God do his work, man. You don't need to, like, desire to be multi-ethnic. <laughs> like, <laughs> That's like so the most just, Southern thing
0: I've ever heard in my life. I, I, I remember I saw this whole thing with, with like, Tucker Carlson about... He was, like, um, commenting on some speech that somebody said where they said that, like... um uh, diversity is, is America's strength. And he was like, Is it? And I'm like, Dude, really? <laughs> like, do you, you had a problem with that? Like, you have a problem with people hanging out with other people that are different from each other? Oh my God, people are so are freaking disgusting, man. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Maybe, I, it's Maybe it's me. Maybe it's because of where I grew up and how I, I, I grew up in Jersey City. It's famously one of the most, um, if not the most, diverse city in the country and diversity is just mm-hmm. i'm used to it and maybe i'm being ignorant but when i hear people oppose like that sentiment i'm like wow why who cares my gosh yeah i, if, I don't want to blame christians I, I think people in general are just terrible <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean that's 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 probably. I mean that's that's the, it's a lot of truth to that. Um, it's a lot of truth to to like. I mean, if you are a Christian, then you believe that you're terrible. Um, otherwise, <laughs> Jesus wouldn't have to die, right? <laughs> so yeah. So like, with with that being said, though, I I do think that like ultimately it goes back to like the issue of America being racially diverse while also being racially segregated. Mm-hmm. Um, like, all those things are all those things like that's the root of everything in the end of the day so like when you bring these things up then like all of a sudden like oh it's like well i don't really want to go to this church this church is too political for me um right like we know we know that ideology terminology all that stuff um and like that's how a church could be categorized as like being too woke uh for lack of Mm. better words um so but then you got you know uh, eric mason a pastor named eric mason who wrote uh wrote the book woke church um so like it in that, like, I think that at the end of the day, like, until we really are able to do life with each other and understand each other, then we're going to have the same problems. Like, if if I were to hang out with you for a week and 90% of our, our week is good, 95% of the week is good, and 5% five percent of that time, like, you said something that was wild or you said something that I thought was dumb, like, chances are, like, I would be upset with you, um, but it wouldn't be an end all be all right Mm. like it would be like this dude got a blind spot in this area Mm. versus like i see you every sunday in the 10 minutes in the 10 minutes after church people are talking (laughs) i Mm. saw i see you every sunday and then then in the midst of that you say something that's wild then yeah like my my perspective of you will be completely different um i wouldn't feel safe wouldn't be able to trust you so on and so forth so like until we get to a place where we can actually like be around each other Um, then it's just going to be a problem. Like I have a nonprofit right now, a sports nonprofit that's like built on like making sports more accessible to the whole Memphis metro area. So like I want the kids in the suburbs to come and the kids in the city to come, but I want the kids in the city to be able to, to, to assess camp like via scholarship. Mm -hmm. So like, and and until we continue to do things like that, until like that's actually like, for lack of better words, hard work um, and intentionality in those ways, like we're going to keep having the same problems like, that's really like what it boils down to because there's no reason why you shouldn't be able to empathize with somebody who sees their son in Michael Brown. Right. Mm. Isn't There's no reason why. Yeah. One blank period. Yeah. Unless you don't have that. Yeah. Unless you don't have that familiar familiarity with these people. And- I think that's, that's one of
0: the big issues in our country is um, it's been literally architected and designed to keep people separated. Um, you know, I'm sure you're aware, like the white flight and redlining and the whole thing, and how um, highways yep. were literally constructed between neighborhoods to keep people separate from each other. And you were talking about bringing people, um, kids, from one region versus another. But, <clears throat> you know, like that's that's something that like the basis of how America was built made these things more difficult. And the more people can mm-hmm. just sort of interact with each other and mix with each other, the more compassion we're gonna build. Um, because like you said as soon as you start seeing yourself in other people you can't help but but be more loving and um mm-hmm. you know with church being as you said as as segregated as it is um i think that just mixing mixing it up is really going to be what um one of the, the the greatest catalysts towards a better future in our country um you know a lot i've i've seen I I went to it's crazy I I I lived in the one of the most diverse cities and then I attended the most diverse arts school in the country which is Berklee College of Music in Boston and um mm-hmm. that was one of the experiences in my life that really shaped um the way that I see the world you know I met people from literally all walks of life the poorest to the richest, to the, the whitest to the blackest, to the Arabics and the Spanish. Like, I met all kinds of people. I met for the first time rich Dominicans <laughs> when I was at Berkeley. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know they existed, yeah. but I guess they do. Um, <laughs> I, I imagine um, the Dominican Republic is really similar to Mississippi in that way. There's a big disparity. But, um, it, you know, this this was an experience for me that where i met a lot of people and one of the things that i learned about people that were from europe they were they were like americans don't know other americans like they found it unusual that um the states mm-hmm. being um so piled up on top of each other that we didn't have the same interactions that people in europe do where they mix with each other so much that they literally speak each other's languages you know you live in like belgium you got mm-hmm. germany here you got france there you got and because of that yeah. it's led to just people being more understanding of each other and um, just Mm -hmm. having that sort of um, uh, disposition where you're, you're ready to understand how other people live their life. And um, that's something that um, has been kind of difficult in, in in the United States. Um, But Mm -hmm. I do have hope for the future in that, especially with like the, the digitizing of our, of our sources of information and like, like i feel like i i draw as much content from people in the south and the and the west coast and east coast whatever as people from nearby um because everything's online now um i mm-hmm. i have hope in that um our our future will will be more um loving and compassionate um yeah that's <laughs> um, good
1: that's good um and, and by the way it's like a slight delay I don't know if it is on your end too oh but like when your mouth is moving like when your mouth is moving like I gotta kind of like guess when <laughs> when the top <laughs> sorry so, about that so, uh, so is it's, it's, it's very subtle but it's not it's not a huge deal I just want to let you know why some awkward pauses at times I think, I think zoom um, is
0: just having a day <laughs> zoom is yeah not nah,
1: it Nah man, but shoot, i I mean I'm glad that you know what I'm saying, you, you gave me this platform to just talk about this, um, and, and really just like be able to um converse with somebody who, you know, um is not a part of faith anymore, but like still willing to hear like de- deconstruction stories that still ends with somebody being in the faith. Mm. Um now is my is my faith much closer to Eastern Christianity than it is Western Christianity right now? Like a hundred percent. So so but foundationally that's what Christianity is, Eastern. Um so man, I just appreciate you um making this time for, uh, making this
0: time for this, man. Yeah, man. Um, I, I want to have you on again. Um, I thank you for, for sharing your time and, um, I want to be respectful of your time. Um, but like, you know, one thing I, I I'd like for you to, to express is if you have any advice for people who are going through something that you're going through, um, I can't imagine you're alone in your journey that there's people that right. are living similar situations as you are.
1: Yeah man um uh, and also appreciate you like wanting to have me back on. I think that like maybe if we do come on we'll talk about like the rise of black Hebrew Israelites and like what that means and like where that comes oh, from man. and stuff like that. <laughs> because man, like that's that, that's a thing right now. So like mm-hmm. um and when you talk about like people leaving and people being in my place um or a place I was, I imagine that like a lot of them ended up there. Um mm. but like in that like as far as words of encouragement, man, I would just say like don't let your feelings control your movements Mm -hmm. um don't let your feelings control your movement because I think that a lot of times that people can for lack of better words have so much church hurt or family hurt or any of these things that it impacts everything they do and you almost get a negative reaction um almost like an adverse reaction to just like anything that brings back those memories Mm -hmm. Um, And while that's completely normal, um, and while as a counselor, I would say, like, I understand how you can get to that place. I would say, like, don't let that be the reason why you leave your faith. If -hmm. you're going to leave your faith, um, and like, obviously, as a Christian, I hope you don't, uh, but like, if if you're going to leave your faith and stuff like that, then like, uh, let it be from decisions that were made, but like, don't let your emotions from people who would get a letter from God, if he, uh, it, who would get a letter from Paul, if the church was, if Paul was alive today, like, yep. don't let those people, those groups, those organizations, um, impact your faith. Um, mm. and like, you know, if you, if you, if you're going to deconstruct, then like, yeah, challenge your values, um, challenge your values, what they are, um, and why you ended up where you ended, ended up. Uh, cause I was, a, I, I, I was able to deconstruct. I didn't communicate it with anybody. Uh, I'm fortunate that I'm honestly fortunate that I didn't, I wouldn't advise everybody else to do that um but for me personally like i didn't communicate with with anybody and i just kind of you know started questioning things uh started like looking at sources started researching um and listening to like so many podcasts man so many podcasts and read books and all that good stuff um and for me like after my research and all these things um i felt like i was no longer making an emotional decision um i was making a decision that made me authentically me Uh, and today I'll say like I'm unapologetically black I'm apologetically Christian because there's a lot of things that some Christians do that deserve apologies um and I'm married to the goat so Mm. like that's like that's that's how how I ended up that's that's how I ended up and that's uh, where I'm happy right now
0: cool man you know one thing that um was coming up in my mind as you were talking is uh you know I I still espouse many Christian values you know I was raised I have a a, a biblically based life and there's, it's not going to leave me whether I leave the church or not. Um, But one of the things that um, came Mm -hmm. up for me was, um, um, you know, the heart is deceitful above all things. And it's something that the church um, kind of, I've seen churches kind of play around with that verse and and use it in some cases and not use it in others. Um, But I feel like it applies Mm -hmm. to what you were saying um, where, you know, don't, don't sign up for a mortgage when you're (laughs) you just had a breakup or something you know like don't make the emotional decisions (laughs) and um Mm -hmm. and and let the deconstruction happen um in your mind and your soul but you know leave your spirit intact because um you don't want to lose yourself over you know church hurt um and Mm -hmm. and i i agree with that you know as as i don't i don't I don't think that I should evangelize my my decision making for everyone. I, I don't want everyone to deconstruct and leave the church. I don't I don't think that would necessarily be a mm-hmm. that good. Um but I do think mm-hmm. that people like you said should reevaluate um their values and think about like what are the motivating factors behind um the the god you worship, the way you worship, the place you worship at um and mm-hmm. and just be willing to 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 think about those things. So um yeah, where can people find you on in in the internets?
1: Yeah, my um, Instagram is dy662, um, I believe, I hope it is dy662, um, (laughs) and it's dw, I'm not that guy on social media, uh, but uh, it is dwat662, so that that is my, that is my Instagram, and my Twitter is, I'm about to look it up, because I don't even know, it is also dy 662 dwat662, um, that's where you can find me. Uh, if you want to know more about my nonprofit, to where we just want to really just bless the city of Memphis and uh, allow basketball to be the refuge or allow f- sports to be the refuge that it was to me um, and accessible to everybody um, in ways that it wasn't accessible to me growing up. If you want to know more about that, you can go to 612camps.com. Um, spe- is that
0: like, do you write the numbers? Like, how do you spell
1: that? Yep. Thank you for that. Yeah, S-I-X-T-W-E-L-V-E, uh, camps.com. And yeah, man, um, if you know somebody in the Memphis area uh, who wants to experience a great sports experience, then we would love we would love to serve them. Uh, whether they can afford it or not, we would love to um, serve them in any way, shape, or form.
0: Cool, man. Well, thank you for your time. And um, I'm looking forward to um, seeing you keep doing what you're doing. And we'll we'll have you on again. Um, and I'm looking forward to that as well. Uh, Thanks again.
1: Yeah, man. I appreciate you, Carlos.